Welcome to Money and Meaning, a podcast where we connect with people around the world who are working to unlock the power of markets for impact. I'm Robert Munson, president of SOCAP Global. This podcast is hosted by SOCAP Global and the Sorensen Impact Institute. SOCAP Global convenes the largest and most diverse community in impact through live and digital experiences that educate, spur conversation, and inspire investment in positive impact. We work under the leadership of the Sorensen Impact Institute, which helps organizations achieve their impact vision. The Institute is proudly housed at the University of Utah's David Eccles School of Business. Each episode of Money and Meaning features stories of amazing people who are leveraging the power of capital markets for the betterment of people on the planet in a just and sustainable way. You'll hear conversations like this at SOCAP 23, our next flagship event held in October in San Francisco. As a podcast listener, you can save $50 off the current ticket price with the code MONEYMEANING23. That's all caps, M-O-N-E-Y-M-E-A-N-I-N-G-2-3. Register at SoCapGlobal.com. We hope to see you there. This episode of Money and Meaning features a conversation I had at SoCap 22 with a number of past leaders of SoCap Global, including founders Rosalie Hardin and Kevin Jones and Tim Freinlich, along with Lindsay Smalling, a predecessor and former president of SOCAP. Together as a group, we reflected on the history of the conference and shared our passions for building the impact economy. We also shared a few secrets and untold stories of behind the scenes at SOCAP. There's plenty to tell, plenty of characters, and plenty of great stories to hear. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to SOCAP 22 again. Let's start with intros from the first president to me and tell us when you were there, the years of service to this community. I'm Rosalie Hardin and I was one of the founders and worked, I was the producer of SOCAP from 2008 to 16 and and then still worked for the company um, in some capacity for a couple of years after that. So that's that's my who that's I long, am. That's and a long tenure. Because you went through the through the tenure anniversary, which was seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah. 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 And okay. and I'll say the first time I met Rosalie, we were talking about SoCap, and you were clearly just as passionate about SoCap as I think you may have been back in the beginning. I mean, it's still there. Still yeah. passionate. Yeah. 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 Still passionate. I'm Kevin Jones. I'm one of the founders. I actually started talking about the need for a conference in about 2006. And finally, by 2008, people were ready to think that there was a need for one. And I worked on it uh, for about 10 years or so. Starting, I I guess I would say from 2006 to 2018 or so, just because uh, early on, they didn't think there was a need for this kind of conference. And uh, 
then they decided there was. Were they were they were they using the word impact? How are you describing it? Uh, you know, it, well, that's interesting. We used the word social venture, right? And then the folks who came in hated the word social, and so then they decided it should the word they wanted would be more like a drone hitting a many village. So impact is what they what they hit. And I was actually at the meeting at the Skoll found found forum where I said impact is a terrible word, and they said you're not invited to Bellagio. <laughs> <laughs> so, so did you change your mind about that point? Well, no, no I, I didn't really know how cool Bellagio was. Well, I've been there, there later. If, yeah, I, if right, I'd known how right. good Bellagio was, I would have sold down in an instant. So <laughs> anyway, so. Um, I'm Lindsay Smalling. Uh, I think I started working at SOCAP as Lindsay Norcott. I've got all my life events tied up in the time I was working at SOCAP, but I actually first came as a volunteer to SOCAP 10 and then started working as the social entrepreneur coordinator um, at SOCAP 12, and then just was around and did all the things. Um, I was head of the content by 2015 and then became CEO in 2017 and left after SOCAP 19. I'm Tim Freundlich, and I was there in 2006, and what Kevin didn't say was we were running this little venture fund called Good Capital, and the pre-party, this pre-SOCAP was actually the office party of Good Capital at 2601 Mission Street in the Mission oh, wow. of San Francisco, where we would have to call the pe people would pass out, and it was too packed, not because of any <laughs> yeah, illicit or anything, it was because yeah. of the sheer masses that we were cramming into our... 800 square foot office in the right. hallway and the balcony. That's amazing. A couple hundred people would show up. And so we just became this thing and we're like, this is not going to end well, folks. Yeah. So, and then this was like, oh, and wouldn't it be great to actually turn this into something that was, that we could have 800 people or a yeah. thousand or right. 2,000? It was 650 the first time in 2008 when we um, did it at Fort Mason. So I was there and I was there sort of <coughs> through the, the sale in 2017 involved on the board and as kind of treasurer and things like that. There are two indicators to me that there was a need for a conference other than cramming two people <laughs> in that were so crowded. One was we got into Bill Gates' office with uh, with this little venture fund, social venture we called it, because uh, we had one of his direct reports. And at 16 seconds, he stood up and said, you have to stop. I can't be around this idea. I have two pockets. I have one I want to put all the money in the world in, and a second pocket I do put some money in to do good. And if you see there's a link between the two, you have to leave. And we got kicked out of two other billionaires' offices. And I realized, oh, they think wrong about their money. We need to give them a, an event mm -hmm. where they, they don't have to think about it. They can experience it. The second thing is, is that I realized all the other conferences were trying to get the right people in the room. And marketplaces are where the Byzantine and the barbarian meet together. And you find valuable strangers who become Lanka allies. And everybody else, yeah, unfortunately, they'd gone to good schools and they only wanted the right people in the room. And we, we needed to have the people from the fringe to create a marketplace. So those two things, I think, uh, are, are why I think it, it succeeded. So I'm Robert Munson. I started officially as president, I guess, June 1, which seems like a day ago after the Sorensen Impact Center and the Sorensen Group kind of made the acquisition, which I led and was excited to lead because of all the work that you all have done. The brand is still powerful. It just is. Uh, SOCAP is is the conference, but it's more than that. It's, mm -hmm. it's a feeling, it's a community, it's a people, it's a culture, and we want it, frankly, we want it to be a part of it. So thank, thank you. Was it called SOCAP in the beginning? And where did that come from? <laughs> Yeah. We were just remembering this. It was in that <laughs> that Mission Street uh, pre pre conference office, and we were 
brainstorming like, oh, we should do this and bring this out and we need a name. And I, I, we, we, social capital markets got written up there and SOCAP and it was, it was the first, I mean, we were brainstorming names and we were like, that is not a great name. Um, but it's, you need code. Like you need something right, to like, we'll, we'll something. walk around with this for a little while. And then the first sponsor bought on it. And then we were, right. then we then were, you're stuck. You're stuck. And so and, there you go. And SoCap worked great. And the first sponsor, Harry Halloran, it was a real visionary guy. Mm -hmm. And we hadn't even made it into a PDF. It was a word doc that said working title. He says, I love it. Well, that's the name. <laughs> so it, it's funny you say Harry Holler because uh, one of our uh, first real supporters after we kind of took yeah. over was was Brian Holler. Yeah. And he was basically the same way. We had just kind of acquired SOCAP. We were reworking some things, you know, just in the middle with very short period of time. And Brian basically said yes before I could get words out of my mouth. So yeah. that's really cool. Very that on it's, brand it's for gone. the Hallers. Yeah, yeah, father to son, and, and he's here, and he's amazing. Yeah. Tell me about the flower. The flower? The flower. We're all yeah. kind of wearing the flower. Where did, I, yeah. where did it go? I've got some yellow. Everybody's got some yellow. Yeah. Um, so the first event, um, our son-in-law is an architect and graphic designer. Mm -hmm. And so I said, Aaron, will, uh, Aaron Merritt, will you come up with something for us to do this. And I I can't remember now, I wonder if either of you can, we were bringing together five streams. That was the idea. That it was were, like tracks or yeah, something. Yeah, there were five so tracks. Like so the, like the economic pedal. At the time, you had like five themes, basically. We had, right. okay. yeah. But this, so this isn't the original logo. Oh. So the original logo is like the inverse of this. So it was a wheel that had five arrows pointing in. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it was the bringing together of all of these it's, different communities. And then I don't remember which year that rebrand happened, but Aaron basically, he said, this is stale. Yeah. <laughs> and the original colors were blue and orange. They were blue and orange. I'd say I like the yellow. I yeah. Do. So we switched to yellow. We flipped the, flipped the logo and here we are. <laughs> yeah, so the, that's so interesting. I'd forgotten it was five. It was these five arrows that kind of made a flower, but you really saw you really saw the arrows in the wheel. And the, the original story was we want to bring together these themes and and you know siloed folks into our oasis who haven't been together before. And how to you know philanthropy has to learn this new kind of investing. Economic development has to figure out how angel investors who want to do good and figure out what the heck their name was. And Rockefeller said, it's impact. And I said, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, then the other thing about the, the logo is, like in 16 or so, Lindsay said, I want to have a pen. And I thought... <laughs> A pen? Why are we having a all pen? All good logos, origin right. stories, yeah. usually yeah. devolve. Well, everyone was wearing the SDG pin. They were. So there were yeah. these enamel yeah. like wheels that yeah. you still they see still around are. today. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, we were trying to do more events in other cities. And so I just thought, wouldn't that be cool if everyone who went to SoCap had one of these that went on their messenger bag or on their mm -hmm. like blazer or whatever it is and then people could find each other at other events and say like oh i go to socap too you know just really trying to build that community this was like intended to be a community building tool and it well and it has been i've um we so we got the pins and i was i was still skeptical and i think i got 
a thousand of them, and that was when we had three thousand people at the conference that year, and they were gone, just boom. And then you started seeing them, and we would go to other events, and people would have on their SoCap pins. Yeah, it's like, like it's a club. It's like it's you and I were talking. It's a club. Yeah. 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 I mean, My that's a sign of any good a, brand, right? The idea for it to be an ankle tattoo and have a tattoo parlor got voted down. So. <laughs> well, maybe all all presidents, past, present, and future, should, should that should be a thing. Left ankle, you know. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know about that one. I want to. I want to. Yeah, that's what people can, said. That's a good idea, Bill. Can we can we talk about Fabian? Oh yeah, who, we can talk about Fabian. Not, she's laughing in the background. Yeah. She's not she's not mic'd up. Um, but Fabian has been with SoCat for twelve years, oh, fourteen since years, eleven. Getting, since eleven, a long time. Yeah. And she's special to SoCat. Yeah, everyone's worked with Fabian. We have way too many Fabian stories that things that have happened Let's at the hear registration at least one. desk. <laughs> Well, as as we talk about Fabian, her, I've worked, I've done a lot of events, and registration people usually melt down at some point during. Fabian has never cried at the registration table, which is <laughs> our claim to fame. But the great thing was is that we were doing an event, so kept Europe, and we needed somebody who could um, talk to people in in Europe. Not they didn't want to talk to an American and. Fabian was a parishioner of mine at Holy Innocence Church, and I knew that she was uh, looking for a part-time job, and so I called her and I said, do you want to be registrar for uh, SoCap Europe? And she... Amsterdam, right? Amsterdam. Oh, yeah. Go to yeah. Amsterdam for a week or so. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Run down by bicycles. That was fun. Yeah. That was a great... That was a great time. Great. So she came in and did that and never left. It's right. like... Amsterdam. Yeah. One, one other part of the story of, of going to Amsterdam is that we did it at the Burst Van Berlage, which is the site of the first stock exchange. And I wanted to say the market is not a force of nature. It's an idea that solved a problem of how to share risk with people you didn't know. And they did it right here. It's a, it's a construct. We made it up. It's not a force of nature. We can change it. So, you know, that was, that was why when we went back to where the first stock exchange happened. So, so we did two European ventures. Amsterdam and then Malmö, Sweden, and uh, they were really pretty successful and were a lot of fun, but the staff just was like beat to a pulp after doing two mm -hmm. a year because doing it's one doing one of these with two or three thousand people coming is really, it's a year-long full-time job and takes a lot of recovery, and so we didn't go back to Europe, but the market's there if y'all want to do the it. The market's there. I mean, I... I Certainly other locations are always in the back, I think, probably of all of our minds. Um, yeah. And I don't mean to replace San Francisco. I mean, in mm -hmm. addition to yeah. San Francisco, you've got obviously the issue of staff and, mm -hmm. and the labor that it takes and the work. Um, and it's also kind of nice to have people internationally coming into one big tent event. So I didn't know about Amsterdam, actually. That's the first time I've heard that. 2011 was Amsterdam and 2012 was Sweden. Okay. How many more surprises do you think you're going to get, Robert? Well, <laughs> let, listen, that's a long list. Yeah. And Give him the I, keys to the closet. I also, I, I can't tell you how many, and this is, a, I think this is a compliment, by the way. I can't tell you how many people I have met who have told me they were one of the founders of SoCat. <laughs> yeah. But it just means yeah. that people love it, and they yeah. want to be a part of not just the origin of it, but people yeah. feel like it's a part of them, whether it yeah. really is or not. But yeah. really, there, you get, there are at least... I think seventy-five founders of SoCat that yeah. I've counted. Well, so well there far. are there are definitely three other people who I would should be listed in um, Mark Beam mm -hmm. and uh, Gary Bowles and Heidi Kleinmaus. Um, they they do events and they're friends of ours and they 
they came in and put together a lot of the structure with us at the very beginning. But th those three people are the... And Amy Benziger was our first employee. She was the first employee. She was, right, was there four years. Amy Benziger. Yeah. So Amy Benziger <laughs> was our first employee, and, and she put a lot of structure. In. And one of the things about Amy is that you know, when we had like 70 tracks, she could keep track of where everybody was speaking uh, over three days. It was kind of... Then she realized she didn't really like impact investing, but she liked putting the puzzle together. So we got somebody who really cared about the, the content in a whole other way and having, you know, uh, Lindsay, who, who had that expertise. And we should say the name John Axtell, because he was, he was critical. He was the uh, kind of my right hand for the first three, four, five years. Y'all overlapped a few years. Yep. Yeah. And he, was, he, he put all the, the puzzle pieces of the where the tents were going to go and all of the media and br br he brought in Casey, uh, mm. who is Casey's still amazing. with you. Yeah. And it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Casey's our, our technical director yeah. and, uh, he shows up in all the right places at the exact right <laughs> exact time with all the right answers, right all the right equipment. And yeah. you're just totally confident in everything he does. Yeah. Uh, the, I told you this story earlier, but I think it's just a great Casey story sitting at Fort Mason in the press room with, pipe and drape around us, and I'm realizing that some press is about to show up and there's no electricity, and I'm, I say to somebody inside the room, I need to call Casey and tell him to get power in here, and his head pops through the, the pipe and drape and says, I'm here, here's the power, and puts it in there, and it was like this, these things would happen with, with John all and time. Casey all the time. So you, yeah. you bring up Fort Mason, and when, we, when I first started investigating this, yeah. just as an acquisition opportunity and evaluating it, Fort Mason came up in every single conversation, every single time, and it, it became almost this like legendary location. And I was told over and over again, it has to be at Fort Mason. You can't you can't move it out of Fort Mason. Now, by the time we took it over, the the bookings were already done. It wasn't a choice; that it was already here. So I I'm curious, just as a current president of SoCap. How, what's the, they're totally different venues, but what do you think about this versus Fort Mason? But share, share some stories, if you will, maybe horror stories, maybe great stories about that previous location and why it was so special. Lindsay? It's an incredibly challenging venue. Yeah. <laughs> um, and these three on my side like to do incredibly challenging things. I think they choose sometimes to make things harder than they really need to be. But um, it's also such like for a, a set of buildings that have been there for 100 plus years, it's an incredibly dynamic venue because mm -hmm. Fort Mason itself was always renovating a building or, um, you know, had other bookings or whatever. And so every year we got a different set of venues to work with. Um, so it meant we had to redraw those floor plans every year. Um, it's also because it's an old army fort, it has no Wi-Fi, no, you know, venue no water, capacity, right? no, water. no water. No electricity. We would bring in the kitchen. I mean, it was, it was like, we completely built that event yeah. from the ground up. And every year, I mean, they had, you'd think that we would have mastered it, but every year it changed. And I think um, part of my ability to walk away after SOCAP 19 was I felt like we finally did it. <laughs> like I really felt, you know, every other year there had been something where I was like, we, I know we can do that better. Like it, it, the signage or where we put the catering tables or, you know, I, I wasn't in on that production side for the first, you know, four or five years I was involved. <laughs> but it's incredibly challenging and and I like that challenge but 
I feel like we really nailed it in SOCAP 19. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had some challenges. The first year we had a big outdoor tent was also when I think 60 mile an hour winds were coming through. And the day before we opened, the tent uh, failed. Um, mm. No one was hurt. That's but, good. And it was the day before we opened, the tent failed. And then the Blue Angels were always Fleet Week. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it was exciting Being and fun. Buzzed by F-16s. But we even had a slide in the slide deck that when main stage was going and the F-16s would go over, that we would just go awesome. to a slide that said, we'll be we'll be back in a minute with had pictures <laughs> of the Blue Angels on it because you couldn't do anything. Let me talk about another part of the venue is that SoCap was a place, you know, I think it succeeded because uh, we happened right after Lehman Brothers failed. And so mm -hmm. uh, we suddenly had four times as many people as we thought, 600 people, and we were a flight to hope. And so it's been a place where you come to hope for a new economy. And, you know, you can talk about big things and, and make people think something can be bigger if you have the Golden Gate Bridge in the background. And you can be on a space, you know, on, on a little pier, and there's nobody else around. And so it's, it's a great place to imagine things. And I think that's one of the things that worked for Fort Mason. Yeah, there's, there's so many stories about people going out and just staring out at the water and the bridge and just losing themselves. And not themselves. coming back. You know, Sometimes. If you're in a windowless yeah. event room and say, think big, or if you have the Golden Gate Bridge on the background yeah. with sailboats going around, you it's can say, think spot. big. You know, you can, ahead, you can do one. I just, I, I am a huge fan of Fort Mason. Also, the, the, the fact that you couldn't get away. Right. You know, there was, because yeah. a lot of these conferences, especially in the cities, it's like yeah. the, the people feel like it's this porous, like, thing that they can step in and out. So you, you, it's hard to make that kind of magic space. I will say that YBCA here, your Buena Center for the Arts, in addition to all its convenience and, you know, Trans transportation access and all that. Um, th there's something magic about like the garden and where, where that could go. And I've already yeah, like we think so. staked out like three different meeting spaces on rocks. And I was just hanging out with <laughs> Fidelity Charitables, all their people. And we were just like sitting there and laughing and sitting with the, like the bees running around. The garden's and and so I think that you can make magic anywhere if you have the, right. the people ingredients and the yeah. kind of aspirational structure to capture it. So I'm, I'm, actu I'm actually, happily surprised and hopeful about a very different but sim fundamentally similar yeah. kind of core experience as 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 a kind of a field builder uh, mm -hmm. here as yeah. in Fort Mason which I wouldn't have said I was I would have been guardedly mm, a little yep. like neutral to hopeful pessimistic about yeah. two days ago <laughs> hopeful okay, pes pessimistic is one of those that said, yeah, really try do yeah. everything you can not to move yeah but I, I don't think it's insurmountable at all. Yeah. I, can I just tell one more venue story? Um, so Fort Mason is massive and it's a open campus. So we couldn't control the, who was in, in or out. And it's a open secret that lots of people don't buy SOCAP tickets yes. and they just come and they would hang out on the Fort Mason campus and get a ton of value out of that. I think across us, I mean, we would prefer that people would buy a ticket, but it still added to that sense of gravity and that mm -hmm. people were there. And so I remember walking around, you know, it's, it's huge and you have to wear really comfortable shoes. So I would be walking from, you know, the gatehouse over to Herbst or whatever. And you would see people like sitting on dumpsters and like down on the curb. <laughs> it's like, this is not a good experience. And the picnic tables were packed all the time. And so the next year I just said, 
could we get 30 more picnic tables? Like, will those fit? Will the fire marshal let us do it? You know, how can we get more picnic tables? And, um, and the vendor, the rental company built us 30 picnic tables because they didn't have that many. Um, and again, all full, all full. And so I just, you know, Kevin always has talked about that the magic is in the hallways, but the hallways at Fort Mason were, were the picnic tables. (laughs) And that was like the best production decision we ever made there. Kevin, you, you mentioned hope. Yeah. And so I, I, I want this to be a lighthearted conversation, but we're also post pandemic. Uh, there's a sense of urgency on a lot of the things we want to see in the world. And I'm curious how that impacts the, the feel of SOCAP, which seems very optimistic, but there's a lot of fear in the world about where we are and maybe the lack of progress and a lot of areas that we need urgent progress. How does that transform the, the conference and the conversations we're having? And do you see that in your interactions versus 12, 14 years ago? Well, you know, we started in 2008, and the economy was in collapse, uh, and there hadn't, there wasn't a bailout, and so I think we were always a flight to hope. I mean, it, it was just, you know, that, everybody was always really afraid, is what you mean. Well, so nothing's new. And well, and I'm going to get give you the mic back in a second, but the we were hoping to have 300 people at, at the first one, and we we thought it was a real stretch, mm-hmm. and then Lehman Brothers went bankrupt. Two months before no, it? Like two weeks. Two weeks. It was be- September 15th, and then, 2008. Yeah. And we sold 100, and, we had sold 150 tickets already. We sold 150 tickets like three days after mm. Lehman Brothers went under. Well, and, and then, then the first had- day people, I remember arriving and off to the left there by Green's restaurant and the trading breaks went in on, in the New York Stock Exchange because it had dropped a thousand points. Like that's how close it was to Lehman Brothers. It was right, right after that. And people were walking around in their Blackberries because nobody had, you know, smarter phones then and we're just like a bomb had gone off like everybody was a little it was it reminded me honestly not nearly as as sort of um tectonically upsetting in some ways but like 9-11 i was at the sri and the rockies conference in phoenix when the planes hit the the towers and everybody was just like there was a sense of just disruption and trying to find meaning and and supporting each other and all that. There was there was elements of that. It wasn't quite obviously as 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 cr- crazy a time, but I think that to to the point is that it's like everything we've been wrestling with the same inequity and major tectonic issues, including climate change. I mean, it's like we every moment it feels so cri- like it, like there's these there's these ebbs and tides of like the flashpoints of sort of awareness and engagement. And I'm and I would definitely posit that we are in one, you know, and have been yeah. for the last couple of years, the intersection of, you know, of, of racial justice and, and climate change being very much, and, and then and just the pandemic and economic, you know, disparity, but 2008, and, and we should be in a constant state of, of, of impatient fear and hope to get agitated enough to do something, yeah. you know, like, a, uh, what is it? A, ounce of fear is worth a pound of hope i always say like motivation be chased by a tiger that'll get you run into the to the mountaintops the human nature we do respond to it and i and maybe it's a little dark but but you know what i mean like i think it's okay to be recognizing that we're designing within a state of like deep agitation and response to a continual state of inequity and problems and not and not think that we're special right we're in a special place right now 
because that also discounts what's been going on for the last 400 and something years in this country, right? If everything were copacetic, if, if the world were getting along just fine, there wouldn't be a need for this. This SOCAP, it, it is the flight to hope because there is a, there is a need for hope. And um, I think that's the thing that, that trips up the, the, the narrative around SOCAP is that, it, that the doing well while doing good is not what the intention that SOCAP was to be about. SOCAP was to be disruptive, to disrupt the economy and to get people to understand the economy needs to work for everybody or the economy is not worth, worth our time that we need to, to find a way to build an economy that works for everybody, not just making more people make more money. Uh, and even if they're making money doing good, we want to change, I want to change the way we understand the economy from the ground up. Given that, that origin, um, which I think is obviously very profound and powerful, if you look at where the conference is in terms of its influence, in terms of the change that it's driven in the conversations, how do you measure it? You know, what's the success level? Where where are we? Who wants to take that one? I, I do work in impact measurement now. I think. Um, <laughs> Here we go. Here's some, here's some data coming. <laughs> Sixty decibels. Um, no, but I think with, with conferences, it's hard because so much of it is. Um, we all know it's powerful because we see the people at the picnic tables, because we hear the powerful words from the stage. Um, I think Monique backstage was talking about one of the speakers who's here this week and how a piece she wrote influenced Monique to start a podcast that got her connected to Make That's Justice right. Normal, that got her here to SOCAP. But a lot of these things are hard to trace as very like direct contributions. Um, I think always with the, f the feedback that we would get from attendees and just honestly the growth of the event, the amount that people are talking about it, what you've said, founders, we could probably do a better job of putting more concrete numbers on those and, and measuring them over time. But um, I, I think that the impact that we anecdotally have seen is that people tell us that maybe deals like the paperwork doesn't get signed here, but deals accelerate here. Right. So you've met someone, you get into like sort of stage three, or if you were already stage three, you're ready to sign the papers when you get home. Um, I think we always really prioritize too many of these events focus only on the money uh, and are really like you were saying, the right people in the room. Um, Kevin's always strong belief that it needed to be a big tent, that it needed to be a marketplace. There is no other venue for that. And so that's impact in and of itself. And just the people who would meet each other who were unlikely allies and then the stories we'd hear that, you know, the person who was working in fisheries didn't know they needed to meet the livelihoods person in Southeast Asia and um, someone else who's running a motorbike company. I mean, these are these are like robots and tangerines as someone on another um, panel said. And so but it but it was just like that was the serendipity and the magic of this. And and it has to feel messy for that to happen. I think a lot of people were like, who is here? And like, everyone's here, you know, <laughs> but I, I'm glad you said it has to feel messy because yeah. it feel, feels a little messy. It, it is always messy. Right? Yeah. But it's Why good trouble. Yeah. 
you know, summits. So we, we uh, Hillary, uh, if you remember her, when she was Secretary of State, they wanted to do SOCAP at state. And then they realized they wanted to make it a summit, which got to be who uh, had power around the room and how many aides could you bring in. And mm-hmm. we discovered- and They got that, to sit higher on the- Yeah, yeah. They if got, they had more power, so they're the yeah, stadium and, and, and we realized, and, Yeah, we realized, you know, because two of her aides really loved SOCAP and they wanted to do it at, at and realized- we can't be a partner to a summit. You know, we are about messy marketplaces where you find the things you didn't expect that are wonderful that you wouldn't have seen otherwise. I think, I think that I say that I'm really encouraged is that the amount of innovation around economic justice platforms for finance that deliver economic power to the folks who don't typically have power is really growing. And there's a bunch of those really happening. And I, I see... It's not an operating system, but it's a lot of emergent innovation that, around those those sorts of things of people who don't have assets getting assets. That, that's right. I, I, I was actually doing an interview this morning, and one of the things that we're also saying, just I also work at the Sorensen Impact Center, and we do a lot of work in between the coasts and outside of the major industrial cities. And there's, um, there's an enormous amount of deal flow going on and an enormous amount of work going on in rural America where... Um, there are also underserved communities and brilliant funders and brilliant entrepreneurs. And so you see impact spreading. There's a lot of people who feel like it's not going fast enough, that the urgency isn't there. Um, and the conference space, as you all know, within impact is there's a lot of conferences now. I don't know how many there were when SOCAP started, but I'm guessing not nearly as many as there are now. Skull and SRI in the Rockies, what? SVN. Jen, no Jen came after us. Oh, you mean like when it first started? Yeah, yeah. but yeah, that's right. Those are the ones. Do you think that changes the position of SOCAP, or does it just further highlight the need for the tent? I I think nobody has the space to be the global convening where everybody meets and you discover, oh, what you're doing in Sri Lanka works in Charleston, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those sorts of things. That's the the brand position. It's the global convening. And then you do connections afterwards, I think. Nobody else wants that or has that. You know, the Skull Forum, you know, they only give awards to nonprofits. So, you know, that was them being only focused on nonprofits uh, was one of the things that allowed us to have a market focused event. There was a there was a real gap. We have um, getting back to the messy comment. uh, This is a little inside baseball, I guess, on the conference. But we had a little trouble with the liquor license. Mm -hmm. Just I won't get into the nuances of, of why we were having some trouble, but we needed a good nonprofit to sign on with us. And uh, we found uh, a cat adoption place here in San Francisco (laughs) that said, "Impact cats. if you'll give us a booth and a little cash, we'll sign our names to anything. To anything. (laughs) So I said, fantastic. Deal done. But you have to give away a bunch of orphan cats. Well, listen, this this has a nice ending. But I I told our board, I said, look, here's the thing. You're going to be walking around and you're going to suddenly see a a booth for cats. And you're going to wonder what in the heck did Robert do? Just when you're having a nice glass of wine at the end of the day, just thank the cats. But here's here's the amazing thing about the messy. I heard yesterday from Amanda Lee, my, my partner in crime on conferences, an invaluable team member to us, by the way. Um, she texted me late at night last night. She said, I just heard that the cat adoption place has gotten thousands of dollars in donations from here, and we've saved hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of, of cat and dog lives. Yes. And I mean, that's measurable impact. That's so cat. The the strangest ways to connect to this amazing ending. And I don't know that there's a data measurement 
framework for that, Lindsay. I think um, we're, we're one step removed from impact, so it's really hard to measure. You have to measure right. it one step down to see what happens afterwards, and that's that's yeah, really hard. <laughs> Other than cat adoptions, obviously, yeah, it's got to be. <laughs> Can you do more cat adoptions next year? That's, yeah, that's well, I mean, the metric. things you do to get this conference off. I mean, the, <laughs> you know, you, you you have to go through a few, you have to pivot and you have to be flexible. Um, we, we've not had a catastrophe yet, knock on wood. I'm curious, anything catastrophic happen during any of these conferences? The tent, there was one year when the main the stage AV was truly atrocious. Oh, like, oh my that's it, not not a good. single panel went off without a screech. And actually, our McCune guys who are here saved us the following year. That was the year that I probably um, cried and stressed. And was, I mean, because these are amazing speakers. And if nobody can hear them, it was it awful. Was it was truly it awful. Was truly horrible. And then probably also, I mean, related to this, um, there was a year that we had picketers. And that was pretty bad for optics. But I had forgotten all and about what, that. What, was, what were they picketing? Uh, Fort Mason is not a union venue, ah. and so they were protesting that we weren't using union workers. So we struck a deal with the union and used union workers. Which we are here. By yes. So, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So um, of all the speakers, all the panelists, all of the folks that have been to SOCAP, who, who, who needs to speak? Who do you want to see at SOCAP that hasn't spoken? Who's, what's a, give me a dream two or three lineup that we can pursue for 2023? I mean, I'd say Obama, but okay. <laughs> Michelle or Brock. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a short list so far. Yeah. You know, uh, SOCAP has been about a crowd and not about headliners, yeah. and it's and pretty interesting that way. For that reason. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, headliners, you know, and then they also want to be like thought leaders, and it's like, who really wants your thoughts led? You know, I mean, which thought? I, I, so I, I think a, a crowd that is representative of what you want the world to be yeah. is what I would go for other than a headliner. Yeah, that's great. I don't have names, but I, it would be... Or, you know, Iguodala with his investments. We'll go off Basketball on, we'll on basketball. But I think it would be interesting to get some of the, the folks who are mega, the mega rich folks who have, if they would come and talk about how 15 years ago, they didn't understand and what they've learned about their own yeah. investments mm -hmm. and uh, to be transparent about how, because they, they exist, they have changed the way they're investing and to be able to, to, to say that on the SOCAP stage, I think would be interesting. Yeah. Some, some humble billionaires who admit they've learned. I mean, that's probably not a big ask, right? They, 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 <laughs> we're, finding them is pretty interesting. Can I say just some of the most surprising, like when I think back on some of the most powerful and surprising ones, a lot of them have been artists. Mm -hmm. So um, the partnership with YBCA uh, on content and some of the just really incredible change makers, I think that partnership drove home for me that if you want to drive change, you have to change culture yeah. and that artists are who shift culture. 
um, and those artists, they just speak in a way that connects to your heart and your head. Um, Mark Bamuti Joseph, still, like every time I see that guy speak, he blows me away and opens up some new part of my thinking. So um, that was a really powerful partnership for SOCAP. Yeah, that's good. That I mean, the YBCA partnership is one we hope to really leverage for that reason. And we've also got some folks on staff who come from the art world. And so that conversation's already kind of started. And I think you're right. There's just that, that culture shift and the powerful speakers that come out of that, I think, come from that world and from that perspective. You know, Rodney Foxworth's talk on philanthropy and black rage was really pretty amazing. He was on the main stage, but about the the problems with the philanthropic system. He, he kind of opened that up for a lot of folks. If You should Google Philanthropy and Black Rage. It's a Medium article by Rodney. I, I think that really caused the foundations to think differently, and that was that was pretty interesting. Rodney's an amazing man. Yeah. Uh, he's, yeah. a, he's a board member now with SoCap. Uh, yeah, I don't right, know if you know, and he's been a huge contributor to the yeah. company and to the vision. Where does SoCap need to go from, from here? This is a very selfish question. Because I'd love to know where you think we should head. I'm not sure that it's a new place, but one of the things that that is hard about being the intersection of money and meaning is making sure that meaning has a place at the table mm. and that it was always a challenge. I mean, every year it was like, how do we, how do we really inject it in an overt way rather than just assuming that it's there and I think that figuring out a way to tell the story that we we know is true that if you aren't paying attention capitalism is going to only to want to breed more money that it's just constantly going to be using money to make money and using money to make money and to find ways I would hope that you'll find ways to be overt in saying this is going to destroy the world, and we've got to do it a different way. And keeping that intersection of money and meaning, I, I'd, what, even when we had it, would describe it that money was a 16-lane highway and meaning was a, you know, a dog path across there trying to find its way in. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, was hard, it, it was hard for all of us to try to figure out how do you program that in. It is. But, yeah. it's, but without it, it's just an investment conference. Yep. And I would add, <clears throat> I, I think the, a role that I played that I think is a, is a valuable one is to be the scout out on the edges, finding the folks wh whose voices are not in the room, but who should be in the room, and then bringing them in so that they become recognized as, value, as, as unlikely allies. And, you know, if you look around and you see who's here, then the question is who's not here and why aren't they here? And so that really, need, you need to staff someone going out to find who you don't know. Are you volunteering? <laughs> well, we can talk. Okay. <laughs> you know, but 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 it's you know it it's it's much more somebody who's more like a community journalist than an MBA. It, mm -hmm. It's much more an investigator uh, who finds the, the, the unique things and and you know figures out why they're not in the room. Conda Mason was an interesting thing that uh, seven or eight years ago she led Impact Hub Oakland and. Um, she came and she said, you know, there are more African entrepreneurs scholarship here than African-Americans. And I looked and there were actually more Kenyans and Ugandans. Mm. And so that became a place that we looked because we'd missed it, you know. And so... It was like 15, 16, somewhere in there. And we really 
change some of the things we were doing to make sure that wasn't so. Right. And then everybody wants to say, oh, black tech. It's like, no, friends and family funding is why they're not in black tech. So finding the gaps of why they're not there, you know, and it's because they don't have friends and family funding. So it's, it's an amazing pursuit, actually, to look at what's not there and what's, yeah. what voices are not being heard. When we looked at the results of the open process, the SOCAP open process, and kind of categorized everything that came in at 150 submissions, whatever the number was, there was a glaring, glaring omission in disability. There wasn't one piece of content submitted on disability. And we immediately sought out people to come and be voices for disability in the space. That's and great. we're really expanding that. But then you think, what are the other holes that we're missing? So I love the idea of the scout. Thank mm -hmm. you. Yeah. <clears throat> I, on two points, I double down on Rosalie's meaning, but from the, my content perspective, when I was running content, I think I have to credit Jed Emerson um, mm -hmm. for always making sure that he'd say, you know, you can't focus too much on the how. Mm -hmm. This is about the why. You know, not the how or the what. <laughs> um, I think he was always my North Star in terms of saying, if we don't remember why we do this, and he wrote a great book, The Purpose of Capitalism, he is someone who has really anchored this field in that North Star of like, why are we doing this? And don't get caught up in the next fancy deal structure, et cetera. Um, and then also uh, from a more, how do we build this business, build this revenue, sort of make this sure. the global community that it could be. I always equated this to um, Vogue, which I know that is a little strange, but it's it's a global brand that everybody knows, like no matter where in the world, you know, maybe some parts of the world, but you sure. can go pretty globally. And if you say Vogue, people know it's a fashion magazine if they don't know anything else. Even, you know, Kevin Jones, who's worn that same sport coat for the last five so caps, he knows what Vogue is. It's a good looking um, sport coat. Oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, and SOCAP has that potential Those because, you know, if a 14-year-old picks up Vogue and Tom Ford picks up Vogue, they both find something in there they need. And SOCAP can be that. We have so many newcomers. It should be a welcoming place, but it should also be the place that, like, the longest-running, most established thought leaders come. And that's a really intentional curation to make sure it works across that whole spectrum. But I also think it could be a media business in that way, that there's so many people out looking for this information and there's just no fun, accessible, messy marketplace thing that you that you can find right now. One other thing about uh, the design of SoCap is that uh, we ran into all these billionaires who couldn't think about other than two-pocket thinking. Mm -hmm. And so that was a prefrontal cortex kind of thing. And we said, well, you know, we need to target the amygdala and make it immersive and more than they can handle. And so when people said, you know, SOCAP is like being drinking from a fire hose, yeah. And your, your, your critical thinking is down, but you see that these things are real. And our goal was always to say it's real, it's big, and it's growing, and you can't grasp it. You have to be in, in it. So you could act your way into a new way of thinking. And so if, 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 if you revert to making sense, you know, it'll probably fail. I like that. <laughs> I would only add, and there's not much to it, so I, I'd say I heartily agree with all those sentiments. Um, I, I think that as things go, the, the bigger challenge is not to operate like when things are. Speaking of I've been on conference calls where this happens. That's a toilet flushing in the background. Yeah, in case you can't hear. <laughs> um, you know, with that very uncomfortable thing where one person's on the, on the polycom and you're all standing around right. with exter external consultants in the board meeting and something happens. On yeah. The, yeah. Um, it's never happened to me. But the uh, what I was going to say is, you know, this it's it's actually not so much that we're in a place of, of sort of fear or immediate danger more than ever that we need to respond to. We are and we will perpetually be and we need mm -hmm. to keep that like keep that heightened awareness. Like 
it's also that as this mainstream, as, as so many, I mean, the, the landscape of players and asset managers and accelerators and foundations, and it's just like, it's proliferate, like, and conferences, right? So much more so than 15 years ago, right? 15 years ago, um, that as that all of that institutional heft and uh, institutional fear and ego crowds into a, a, you know one garden uh, for three days. Um, I think that the challenge and and you know and even impact investing writ large with this sort of movement towards um, defining and embodying catalytic capital that is on people's tongues on the tip of people's tongues these days is a response to this too, where you, you need, we need to find the catalytic edge version of this and because it's always been there and it, it's there right now outside of this you know outside of this room that we're in um, in spades I think but you can it can be eroded and things be, can become transactional and things can the why can get lost and also the lifting up of the edge and the unusual and the um, uh, unconventional can get sort of muted and and crowded out and I that's my kind of that's what keeps me coming is that that accessibility to that and the, the, the hope of that and that's what would keep me from coming if it weren't there yeah and really good food yeah. and the food's not bad yeah so cap that, that was the other thing you gotta have acre yeah they're doing an amazing job yeah we left acre one year that was another catastrophe <laughs> it, was a mistake. it was a mistake it was yeah. like well it's time to get bids we got a bid from another caterer and everyone was starving everyone yeah. was starving <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like if we keep good food and Fabienne sticks around, yeah. we'll, we'll have yeah. what we need yeah. to get yeah. at least halfway there. Well, thank you all for, for joining me today. And Tim, thank you for prodding me to make sure we did this. I thought it might be like herding cats, but as it turns out, this was really fantastic and illustrative. So I'm appreciative to you also for your work at SOCAP. Um, it's been fun to reflect. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish this yeah. was our two hour session, honestly. Huh. I think we could we could go some more and maybe we should at another date, but And I'll just say we I think we all feel really grateful that Sorensen has picked this up and made yes. sure that SOCAP survived because Absolutely. there's so much love and blood and sweat and tears that has gone tell. into this event. Um that nothing yeah. makes me happier than that we're all back here. Yeah. yeah. The field needs it. And so it it really is a public utility and a public good and and I, we applaud you for picking up the baton and running with it. 100%. Well, thanks, but I, I applaud all of you. And we, I certainly, I consider this a community asset. You know, we, we talk about Sorensen took it over, and yeah, okay, that's fine. Um, but in the end, it's a community asset, and it's driven by the community, and those are the voices that we're listening to, um, as well as your voices and the work that you've been doing. So hopefully uh, we're carrying on and carrying forward, onward and upward with SOCAP. And uh, thanks again. Enjoy the rest of your time here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Money and Meaning. If you are inspired by the conversation and are interested in getting more involved with the SOCAP community, join us at SOCAP 23 in October. As a podcast listener, you can save $50 off the current ticket price with the code MONEYMEANING23. That's all caps M-O-N-E-Y-M-E-A-N-I-N-G-2-3. Register at SOCAPglobal.com. We look forward to seeing you in October. And be sure to subscribe to Money and Meaning wherever you get your podcasts to be notified of our next episode's release.